Hey. <laughs> hey, how pissed are you that the iPhone is not the iPhone X instead of the iPhone 10? It's the iPhone 10. Who wants the iPhone 10? I want the iPhone X. <laughs> gonna get X. Gonna I'll give it to you. How pissed are you that it's a thousand dollars? Not at all. I thought it was gonna be twelve hundred minimum. Yeah. Are you but, gonna get it? Well, here's the deal. There's like five phones that do the exact same thing that the. Well, I shouldn't say it. That mm-hmm. have the, a similar screen that Apple's does. Yeah. Um, no, I'm actually. It's funny you say that. I just now ordered the iPhone eight. Oh really? Yeah, my phone is uh, three or four years old and. I've been saving up this whole time to get uh, to get a new phone. I was going to get the God phone, the iPhone 10, but that comes out in pre-order starts in November, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to get it. And there's too many rich people that do podcasts on technology. I'm not going to be able to get a real phone for a year now, you know, if I w- or get a, get my hands on one of those phones. So mm-hmm. I just read a review of the iPhone 8 uh, of the camera, which is why I want to get it, and I bought an 8 Plus. Mm-hmm. I bought the 256 gigabyte storage are, are, do do you pay for the phone outright i put two hundred dollars down and then i pay 24 bucks a month that's not too bad nope that's not too bad at all nope i, I, I didn't see how much we're paying for my phone i go back and forth between like wanting to just get rid of it like a, a smartphone just take a break yeah but i'm okay with how much i'm using my phone right now like i'm, I'm doing i see when i'm going overboard and i can kind of pull away now i love the fact that i deleted facebook and twitter i'm hands down best decision i've made it has made certain things a lot harder like i don't check on the catching foxes mm-hmm. thing as often mm-hmm. and the only time i check it is when i'm i mean i'll check it at like lunch break at work and stuff like that and maybe you know if i'm waiting on something I'll, I'll fire it up at work but for the most part i've looked at my habits and i'm not really on it at work anymore so um the times when I get on is like right when I come home from work, maybe right before I leave in the morning. I'll just hop mm-hmm. on real quick. And I'm not – I just – it doesn't ocu- – it doesn't take away my attention. And that's all I care about right now. Yeah. Dude, there are too many, in- too many inboxes. And that's killing me. I have work stuff for Lay Evangelist. I have people from the parish writing. I have people, you know, from Catching Foxes. I have people from the young adults group that I run. And they're all mm-hmm. sending me Facebook messages, emails, and direct messages text on messages. Twitter. And text yeah. messages. They're all they're in 50 different buckets. So as a parish, it's really cool. We, um, or I should say as a faith formation staff within the parish, we've gone to Slack. We use Slack now. Oh, 100% so for our internal communications. I'm so jealous. Just for faith formation staff. So they all send messages. I uh, uh, We all use Slack, and it's awesome. It is. It cuts down on my email. I get now like maybe 30 emails a day, whereas I was getting you know over 100. And most of that is kicked out to Slack. And it's the thing that's so great about Slack is it combines – a social network with text messaging, with email, all kind of in one platform. And so when someone sends you a one-word or a one-sentence reply, you don't feel like they're being short with you. Whereas when mm-hmm. you get like a one-sentence thing in an email, like, I, I mean, I try not to read into it. But, like, you can, like, if your boss is like, go over here and do this thing. And you get an email, you're like, go over here. Oh, oh, I guess I'll just do whatever you say. You know, like, mm-hmm. you always read in to it negatively mm-hmm. whereas in skype and as with text messages i would assume it's the exact opposite you don't read into it negatively you just it's kind of like a matter of fact little thing like mm-hmm. hey you coming to the store yeah i'm at the store can you go pick up milk yeah i'll pick up milk and you're not like oh oh i guess i'm running your errands it's just a totally mm-hmm. different experience so i love it we'll never do that um i think we should go to name of catholic media group awkwardly deleted and propose that we be in tr- that we do a deal where we can create content for them because I think we're that we're a missing link for some of the stuff that they are doing. I mean, I told you I talked with them. Mm-hmm. I was. What um, was your conversation about? Uh, they want to do all of like our like um, our media for the arch archdiocese. They were the first group that I heard that I was like, I I think you actually like you're doing it the right way, like. They talk about wanting to increase – like they know that their world is this. and That's all that they are talking about. They're not trying to say like this is how you should do evangelization. They're saying you need to be doing this stuff 
well, so you can do what you do best. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, thank you. And then when I, and then I heard about how you told me like you had a um, conversation with them and I was just like, I was just impressed by them. Like just, I could tell that they're the real deal. We no, we met with the two principal, like mm -hmm. the, the two head guys. Mm -hmm. So, cause we're an archdiocese bitch. Um, but I really, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a Cardinal? No, you don't. Your archdiocese doesn't have a Cardinal. Go on. No, we, we, we have an, uh, Orthodox archbishop. Uh, our Cardinal is Orthodox. I have no idea that's true. Our Cardinal's that. a badass. <laughs> Freaking Donardo, um, are you kidding me? I'm just kidding. I'm blah, 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 Oh, blah, he's blah. just the president uh, of the USCCB. Don't you mind. Keep going. Anyways, um, I anyways, I really was like, we should do something with you people because I like them. And I they think won't because really we cuss. Things. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there goes that. Yep. Damn it. I said, you know, we talk about Catholic content all the time, and they're like, yeah, but we can't market you to any of our – he's like, we have all the Catholic content creators. Like, they work with us. Like, we have them all. And he said, we can't put any of their advertisements on your show, and we can't put your show on any of – as an ad in any of their content. He's like, we have all this stuff. We're just looking for new channels to push it out in because it's like there's only so many regional, you know, conferences – you can mm -hmm. send, you know, you can post flyers about. Mm. He's like, there's, and it was a really cool conversation. But I said, I, uh, I was like, you know, we cuss on our show. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, it just, it just works against the Catholic audience. And I was like, it no, does for uh, now. You know, I agree. Yeah, no, and I, I, I get that. Because mm -hmm. I could tell during their thing, they had a part in their life. They were just kind of like saying all the things that they do. All of, I forget what you call it. But, and they had the like, and more part. And I knew that the and more was content. Yeah. And I was like, all the content that people are doing right now, it's all kind of the same thing. Mm. It's just really great, like videos of a priest giving a talk. Or, it, or, or you know, it's amazing. It's something. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how, I mean, it's all, it is all literally the same thing. It's talking it's heads. It's Catholicism. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Everyone wants to be Bishop Barron. Everyone wants yeah. to do it. That's it's what, like Jars of Clay and CCM. Everyone just, after them, they all just became Jars of Clay. <laughs> yeah. Or how everyone's all like Hillsong now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, even if there's one criticism of the Wild Goose stuff is that it's just that. Yeah. And it's great. I like, I, I love it, but it's just. It's like, literally, like it. I'm going through these young adult videos I'm trying to make on Chris Day Lady, right? Mm -hmm. So my videos are going to be five minutes long as opposed to 15 or 20 or 15. Well, they're way too long. His videos are way, are way too oh, long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually – I encourage people to watch um, the Wild Goose is Loose after my last series, and they're like, we can't – it's way – it's too much. And I'm like, it's we, 23 minutes, and they're like, it's too much for us. We don't want to watch a show. We want to have the discussion. The show gets in the way of the discussion. And actually, Father um, Dave told me that someone chopped up his videos into five to ten minute segments. So they mm -hmm. even condensed it down even more. And it's part of their license. Like They're like, if you can download it off Vimeo, chop it up however you want. Like 3, 3 p.m. media said that. We've done um, uh, clips. Oh, sorry, we've used clips. So I'm doing some stuff with the Vigil Project people. So I'm curious to see if that could. That's them. That's all them. Yeah, yeah, I know. Have you seen the new Alpha videos? Don't pick mm -hmm. your nose oh, yeah. on camera. Don't pick your nose on camera. I've got a, I, I've I've got got a hair right here. I'm kidding. But the guys with Alpha, he said, um, I thought this was so brilliant. He said the Alpha people began, they were refilming their adult series. They, were, they had just wrapped up. And uh, they found out, basically, that people who were doing adult Alpha were using the teen program. And the kind of I, I, apparently the story with the teen program was they came to their you know a, a, pr a production studio and they said, you know, we want to do this teen teen for Alpha One. How should we do it? And they said, okay, if you really want to market this to teenagers, you have to commit a budget of at least $2 million, and you have to commit to a time schedule of redoing the whole thing every three years. Because if it's any later than that, it's going to look super dated. And they were like, oh. I mean, like, really? I mean, it, stuff looks so dated when it's for youth. Yep. You know, remember when uh, – I mean, like, if you pick up a book <laughs> for, for, like, Life Teen in the, in the, like, the 90s or the early 2000s, like, what was that Father Stanford Tuna book? Like, you got to be real or whatever. <laughs> exactly, like, yeah. Right? Yeah. That All that stuff looks so cheesy and dated. So they said, okay, well, we'll do it. Well, the videos that they produced were really good, and adults began using it. And so the, they threw it all out, and they redid it from the ground up with the – teen alpha model 
but for adults. So mm-hmm. it was like a little bit higher level conversation. But one of the things they had was instead of Nikki Gumbel standing in front of a camera and talking either A, directly to the camera or B, on stage, they did super cuts of him on stage, him in front. But also they had a black man or a, uh, a white man and a black woman as hosts walking through different, mm-hmm. you know, out in the city. What, they interviewed people and all that. That's stuff. what uh, we used was that. It's really cool. Yeah, that's their latest one. And people, it's taking off like wildfire. And I, li- I listen to them all. I think they're, I think they're great videos. Um, but it's funny when you hear this, like the guy from Glass Canvas, he was so awesome. But his whole thing was like, you, you have to understand, you can't just say like, well, I want to make a cool video. Because what does that mean? And there's a million different types of videos. So when I think of Father Dave Pavanka doing, uh, or Bishop Barron doing these videos, I, I mean, it is just them giving lectures. Father Dave is much more of conversational tone. Um, Bishop Barron is much more magisterial. You know, I'm, I'm presenting mm-hmm. these amazing mm-hmm. topics in, in the most amazing places on earth. How cool would it be to watch retake? You know, I think it's episode four where they really go into the baptism of the Holy Spirit with um, the, uh, the wild gooses loose. How cool would it be to have that and then have elements of where things are happening, not just people talking about things happening? Because mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to take to take the charismatic movement seriously when all I see from the charismatic movement is people who like older people who like guitars, you know. And, and I'm not saying that that's what it is, but I'm saying that's constant or or having lengthy conversations about what it means to be faithful. Like there is these elements where you're not focusing it on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That needs to be the the hinge of everything and it kind of flows from it or flows to it and then flows out from it. And I would love to see it interspersed. I would love to hear conversations of Catholics being like, yeah, I left the church because I mean, it claims to be this house of God and I've never seen God show up in a mighty way. And, you know, and then have experiences where people are like, and then I felt God like overwhelm me. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, instead it's interviews and you know, whatever. I would like to see more, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that I want them to make like TV shows or to make movies as though that'd be awesome. But there's got to be like, because all we're doing is taking the classroom ex- experience and putting it on tape. Yeah. Like, really good. And I'm like, that's one area of formation. There yeah. are three others that we're just ignoring. What, what would you say? Uh, like, you mean like moral formation and spiritual so, no, prayer uh, life or what? No, no, no. Uh, if you look at the church's document on the formation of the of like lady, I think you have intellectual formation, then you have spiritual f- formation, pastoral formation, and then you um, have like human um, uh, formation. Okay. So, and those, and which like they actually use that now. That's what the I think it's I the something for priests out in like in Nebraska. They use those four areas as well, and it's what RC like uses for all of their <laughs> the, stuff. Uh, oh man, what is the? Oh man, it's like ICP, which is kind of weird. right? No, it's not ICP. Uh, it's very similar to that. Juggalo. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the International House of Prayer. It's not the International House of Pancakes. It's the Institute of Priestly Formation. Formation IPF. IPF. There it is. Yeah. So I just like there's a, there are other areas that you can. David did that. Oh, nice. Yeah. There are other things that you could do that I'm like, oh, like, focus on this. This would be really cool. Like, like what? Like, give me one instance. Oh, like one on, like, dating. I think it would be so cool. And do a human formation on dating. Do something like a video that just, like, opens. If, 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 you, if, you, wanted to do, if you wanted to do them for more, like, small group yeah. things. I, but I don't know. Like, I almost, like, this is where, like, I start to get, like, what could, like, be, what would be really – I just think like we're f- trying to do so much stuff about um, just trying to get people back in yeah. to the church that I'm like, what? I feel like we are missing something, and I don't know what it is. Like, I almost like it's. I feel like we're missing life. Yeah, it's like what we're, the art of life. Yeah, yeah, that's that, and and that's what I mean. Like, do something on wine or like beer. Or something. Yeah, How like it, when like, Bishop Barron. Talks about uh, Bob. Um, oh shoot! Why, why am I not Bob? 
Holy crap, I totally drew a blank. His favorite musician. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Yes, thank you. Yes. Good Lord. I was yep. like, Bob Marley. No, Marley. No, Marley. No. <laughs> Scrooge. Um, <laughs> when uh when he talks about that like there's a part of him that comes alive that is not mm-hmm. present in the other things you know mm-hmm. and you could tell that when he talks about bob dylan and when he talks about the marvel movies those are two totally different he's speaking from two totally different places even with the marvel movies he's still speaking from this academic you know blah 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 but you can see that edge it, it reminds me of when andy stanley talked about um, leading prayer at the National Prayer Breakfast, and they go to the National Cathedral, which is an Episcopal cathedral, and they're there, and they're celebrating, uh, I don't know if they're doing liturgy, or they're doing hymns, or whatever, and he said he's watching Obama, Barack, and Michelle, and they're, like, just exhausted, and then all of a sudden, they bring up a, um, a Baptist choir to sing Amazing Grace, and they said that they just saw Obama and Michelle both like bob up and down slowly and sway. And they started holding mm. hands and then they just started mm. singing. And he said, you know, what's interesting about that, he said, for me was that song made them come alive. And you could see there was something different happening inside of them when that song happened. And I loved that because I see that in Bishop Barron when he talks about music and Bob Dylan and, and even the Coen some, brothers and the Cohen brothers and even some mm. of the, the, you know, the higher art stuff. Like uh, on one of his last podcasts, he talked about going in front of the Rose window of Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame and staring at it. He said like he did it like every day for a year or something like that or a month. I can't remember, but it was like a lot. <laughs> and I remember mm-hmm. thinking like, dude, that's really, that's something that's really cool. But you can tell that, you know, it's, it's in all the movies. He, he loves to bring up that rose window because something inside. And I feel like it is just like with, with my work in the parish, it's easier to do a class. Right, it is. It's just mm-hmm. easier to do a class than it is to say, "All right, you've ten people. Let's just meet at, at Deacon Baldy's and let's just sit down and let's just have a conversation." Uh, instead, it's like, "Well, no, I'm going to play on this topic and I'm going to talk about these things." And when I'm done, you know, blah blah blah. I want, ah, man, I yeah. So I'm doing this thing on Chris Stafey Day's Laity. I'm trying to get it done in the next two weeks. I want to get the whole thing done in two weeks. Um, I, I like it so far. It's just a basic introduction to young adult community groups, why young adults need it, uh, how this program is going to, you know, what you're going to do when you adopt this, mm-hmm. this program. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's all about the book. So everything from the, the short videos to the, the things that I write is just meant to like clarify things and remove obstacles so you can read the book and get the most out of it. Um, but I just, I just am really, um, I'm trying to figure out how to make it more human. And I think the way it's going to be more human is through the videos. But if it's just me talking, I don't think it makes it more human, more humane, more um, mm-hmm. fraternal. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, cause it's not the problem with videos. I think that it's just not concrete. When, when it, when it, when it, when it comes to instruction, like things where you're trying, cause it's so just, impersonal and it's not but it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're doing something that's kind of like a short thing where but when you're trying to go for more of the the, if you wanted to spurn conversation yeah if you will when you get into some of the human stuff that's hard because that is finite yeah oh it's not human it's a screen it's a two-dimensional thing yeah yeah and so but i think like with art you do that i mean painting is a two-dimensional thing and yet it can express so much and the film you know, film, it can, if yeah, you, if that's you true. It. That's true. And one of the things I loved is the guys up in, in the Dallas area for the talk that I just went to, um, Prince of Peace has this exalt, um, young adult thing. And, uh, it's a theme of again and again, which I think is a doors theme across the board, but it's at least theirs. And as I was the first speaker to kind of kick it off and they have this beautiful little video of a little boy dressed as a cowboy and a little girl dressed as a princess and they meet and they like love each other, you know, like little kids do. And then uh, this, the, the actors are the little boy and the little girl. And every day he come, he has to take off his some of his cowboy stuff and put on a business suit, and he has to go and go to work. And she starts 
uh, somewhat stereotypically cleaning house and making the food. So it's like every single day. And he just comes home with these envelopes that just say bills. And it's he starts off bringing her flowers and he just brings her one flower. And then he just he doesn't not only does he not bring anything, but she jump, turns around really excited at this one little part. And he just is like, I'm home and just walks away. And you see this little girl who's like five. You see her little heartbreak, like, what? I'm so excited that you're here. Mm-hmm. And then the camera, pa- or they're in their living room. It's like, and there's a voiceover the whole time. It's old, greeny man's voice that's really perfect for it. And he's describing what, what our relationship with God is like. It's like a love affair that because of the ways of the world, it, it pulls us down. It can get in, you know, the whole uh, semester is spent on the notion of dryness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was really cool because... The old men and the old when the when the kids sit down there and the camera pans up from their their boots you know on up it's an old man and an older woman, and the you know and they're exhausted and they're beat down, and then the music changes, the tempo picks up. The man stands up and walks out of the door, and the woman looks and he has a smile on his face. The woman looks at him and then she gets up and she walks and opens the door and it's the little boy again, and mm. he's got a handful of flowers. And he gives it to her, and the camera pans around from his to his back, and it's a little girl again. And the idea of returning to this love that is ever new, because God is ever ancient but ever new. And mm-hmm. it was a really beautiful way to introduce the again and again way of faith, the monotonous nature of life and of work and of faith. How can you, one, avoid moral pitfalls that bring you into dryness? How can you recognize God leading you into dryness? But also, how can you just realize, like, being faithful means plugging at it day after day after day, not expecting, you know, consolation every time I walk into adoration. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, re- I thought it was artistically mm. done that really drove home the point for me. I'll send you the link. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, the, you know, the Catholic creatives, they, I think they're doing a lot. And I just think... The hardest part is making a movie like that takes so much time and effort. And money. And I can't do that at my church. You know what I mean? So I feel like I need to start buying blocks of content from, you know, graphicstock.com or whatever. You know, like those video vignettes, and you buy them for 20 bucks for for a 30-second clip. And then, you know, uh, young people at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then have that uh-huh. and then have music that's like quickly paced and but still pleasant to be like young people today are searching <laughs> exposed yeah. brick wall exposed brick wall mm. someone needs to give us a lot of money for our ideas man i keep driving by all saying. these metal buildings and i'm like that could be the catching foxes clubhouse <laughs> Uh, we could have an office with a ping pong table. <laughs> or at least ping pong on Xbox. <laughs> and a fire pole that we use as a stripper pole. For us, because we're the only ones that work there. I guess I'll handle the billing. <laughs> you know, the other day I was thinking, okay, how, where where do we go from here with Catching Foxes? Like, we're oh, honestly... So much. I know there's so many, like, things, but I want concrete ways to make money. <laughs> you know, like things that benefit everyone. And I thought, okay, before I make money, let's do another podcast called We Do It Once a Month. And it's like Catching Foxes Ruins Your Favorite Movie or, you know, like like a movie review thing. And we just talk and we make it a short form thing. So you're not crucifying me with editing. But we do like like we could literally do a Catching Foxes Road to Infinity Wars. And we can watch every single Marvel movie. And plan it out so that it ends with us going together live to Infinity Wars. Did I just give birth to something great, America? I fucking love it. I'm telling you. You know know how I thought of that? Hmm. I thought of that because I was like, I want to get into video games. Is there a way to do Catching (laughs) Foxes plays video games? I'm terrible at video games. No one would ever want to watch my thing, but. I know. I do. Oh, man. I mean, because that could be going to the movies could be like a date night thing for our spouses. And then coming Mm -hmm. back from being like, okay, these are the things I like. These are the, you know, we can do a first reaction because like with Wonder Woman, I I gave it a a B 
And then I saw it the second time, and I'm like, whoa, no, that's an A minus. That's a that's a totally an A minus. Mm-hmm. And I bought the damn movie the day it came out. I still haven't even watched it, but I bought it the day it came out because I liked it. <sighs> I like it. I like it so much. Me likey long time. Mm. What's that? You, did I ever send you the the um, Simpsons clip of Krusty the Claw doing a stand up bit where he goes me Reiki? and it just gets really racist really quick. Oh, uh, it's really funny. Sounds right. like it, Luke. I eschew your racism. You gotta go to bed. No, Luke. We have to talk for thirty more minutes so I can use this as our episode for tomorrow, <laughs> and then spend time editing the next one. <laughs> I'll do it if you want me to. Yes, I do. Yes. <sighs> it's almost you one o'clock there, do. huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm fading. I know. I'm sorry. I know. I'll no, it's okay, I man. Just, I was so When we started this tonight, I was so tired. I was, like, worried. Um, I was exhausted. I just... Wait, so, like, why did you leave at 4.45 in the morning? I was in Plano, Texas. I need to get to work. Oh, God bless you, man. Yeah, man. I, I was at work yesterday. I, I left at one thir- or one fifteen. I started to drive, and I went to the gas station right by my work. And I was like, oh, Shannon said my thing was um, it needed to be topped off. So my front tires looked a little low. So I go there. I start filling up with air, and I look at my back tire, and I'm like, my back tire looks really low. Sure enough. Sure enough. I had a nail. Thank you, Hurricane Harvey, in my, um, in my back tire. And I, uh, it was totally flat. It was a hundred percent flat. I have no idea how long I've been driving with that. Wow. And I, so I had to get in, I had to get the tire patched and then I set out on my drive, which put me 30 minutes behind, which meant thank you, Dallas for your evening, uh, traffic. So it took me an extra hour to go the same distance because I hit traffic for, um, rush hour. going uh. on. So it was, it was nuts. And so I gave the talk, drank some beer, got back in my car, went to the hotel, Woke up at four forty-five, splashed water in my face, got in the car and left. Oh, dude, and, okay. went, and went right to work. But hey, but let's let's talk about something real quick, real quick. Let's do. I want to do a couple updates, and we didn't even do an ad for what's it called? Oh, uh, Encounter, Houston. So, all Luke, right. what are we gonna do for Encounter? So we're gonna go to Encounter. We're gonna yeah. drink all the beers. All the beers. You got, so it. you're flying in. Uh, I haven't told you this yet, Luke. You're flying in on Thursday evening. We're going to go to the Good class, one. like I told you. I'm going to hang out in the back and make jokes. Yeah. You see that Gormley? I know that Gormley. That guy's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do that. And then um, I have a special request. I don't know how we're going to balance this. But Father Tom was like, hey, so I was listening to the last episode. Luke's coming to town. And I go, he's coming to town a week from Thursday. And he's like, I really want to meet Luke. And I was like, we'll make that happen. And all I'm thinking of is Deacon Baldy's and shots, 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 shots. I can't see, but I'm doing a thing with my hands up in the air and my drink. I think that would be so fun just having a, just, you know, not doing a meetup or anything, but just having people and we'll be at, um, at there. So just have people come and meet us. I mean, they don't have to meet up, they can meet down. That sounds inappropriate. Um, I also want to mention a handful of people. Um, John Nielsen, Julia Fears, Grant Wyatt, Maggie Wilson, Duncan and Kate Smith, and our anonymous baby boomer who wanted to support us. Thank you. This month of September redeemed us in Patreon.com slash CF because we got $75 in pledges, nine new patrons this month, bringing the grand total up to 72 patrons. 72 people have said, Gomer, Luke, I moderately tolerate you to the point where I want you to continue doing this. And uh, uh, you guys are great. Yeah. And so that's awesome. So while I was getting my tire fixed, um, I was one emailing the woman who asked to remain an anonymous baby boomer. You know who you are. Um, and uh, so she just wanted to be anonymous, but she really wanted to support the show. But then I got a phone call and I got a phone call a from phone the phone call. A phone call, Luke. Imagine that. A phone call. Imagine that. A phone call. I got a phone call from the folks at Encounter, and uh, good old Peter. Peter says, uh, hey, Gomer, I was wondering, where do you want your table to be? Hmm. And they said, we, where on, to put it? on Friday night, you can put your table you know, with the other tables by the door where it's the most traffic. We're like, okay. And they said, or you can put it by the stage, or if you don't even want a table and you just want to hop up on the microphone, that's fine. And I was like, okay, tempting. Go on. <laughs> and then he said, 
Uh, I said, is there any other place? And he goes, well, I mean, you could put it by the bar. And I was like, yes. The bar. Yes. <laughs> it was so funny. Yes, yes, yes. When, <laughs> when you proposed to me those three spots, by f- I immediately just went, yeah, the bar, of course. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we were simpatico, I believe that's what that's called. Yeah, man. So, uh, so if you come to Encounter on Friday night, we're going to be there. But we're going to be there the whole weekend and just enjoying the time. Uh, with uh, wonderful Catholic speakers, music, art. Um, there's going to be uh, a lot of really good food there. And there's a Texas-shaped lazy pool, lazy river thing. That's what I want to do. Um, but anywho, it's going to be awesome. Uh, the building is is good to go. Thank you, Hurricane Harvey. You suck. Um, so we're going to go there, and we're just going to hang out. And uh, everyone is invited to come. Uh, the Commuter pass, I think, is uh, $99, $90. And all you got to do is type in catching foxes, all one word, all lowercase, and you get a discount. So whether you're coming for the weekend, yeah. I think their weekend slots are almost sold out. So if you want to do oh, the weekend, good. yeah, you have to. You should, now's the time. Yeah, now's the time. Because, now's I mean, the there is a finite amount of space. And last year they had people from 23 states. I'm so excited about this. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's the pancake breakfast. Uh, we do it every month. <laughs> Irish with Irish, mm. Irish cream. Yeah, I so love be- inside jokes. So before me and Luke plunge down inside joke lane, that's encounterhouston.com When you check out and are catching foxes, all lowercase, all one word. Thank you. Thank you to everyone at Adore as well for uh, for allowing us to be a part of this. We are very excited. Yeah, and so. and uh, I do want to point out four more people: Thomas O'Leary, Den- uh, Danielle, Daniel, also known as Daniel Miller. Uh, Katrina Siebels and Father David Mathern, Father John David Mathern, Fantastic. Father oh, John, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Father John David Mathern, uh, they all contributed five bucks a month, and uh, I want to thank you guys for your pledge. That was awesome. Thank you guys very much. You guys are fantastic. We really do appreciate that. So one you. step closer to quitting our jobs, Father Tom, my pastor now listens. I don't want to quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we could each live off of 300 a month um <laughs> if our wives got jobs <laughs> my wife my wife is in a multi-level marketing thingy but she doesn't tell anyone about it so i feel okay with it <laughs> and the other day she got like a check like last month for like 20 bucks or something like that and she's like oh that's cool it's like a little supplement you know people buy stuff i buy stuff it's great and then this month we got like a check for like a hundred dollars and in my head i was like Shannon, you can make a career out of this. Stop, Gomer. Stop. <laughs> I don't want to start putting crap all over my rear windshield. <laughs> Do you, though? Mm. I mean, Do other you. than our Catching Foxes stickers, which you can only get if you see us in person at the Encounter <laughs> Houston Conference or donate $10 or more. I forgot about that one. Or donate $10 or more. Oh, thank you guys again for all your support and all your help. We very much appreciate it. One day Luke's going to release a young adult video. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, like a drunk history, but I'll call it like drunk evangelization. It'll put me on a couch, and be like, you know, here's the thing about the Lord. Oh, I'm too old to do this. Uh, good man. Technically, I'm a young adult. Technically, I'm a young adult. Hey, hey, hey! Being here at this event sure does make me feel old. Uh, Luke, when you went, so me and Luke both gave talks at young adult events, events at the same time. I told Luke we should both put on Facebook live and see who watches more, <laughs> who gets more watches. But, um, what was your, what was your topic on? Uh, Anima Technia Vacua. Oh, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I did it with the, uh, 815 Catholic group out in Rockford, Illinois. So it was a very good time. 815. Hello to, uh, Johanna, I believe is the one who's going to start to listen to the podcast oh nice I, did you meet was, any fans no there were a few people who listened but no one came up to me oh man they don't I like met, me i met uh number one chris chris smith he he has brewed beer for us i have what? it sitting you can see that uh, bag right above my head right there oh my gosh it has all it's sorts, finally happening all sorts of alcohol he's like i put in some whiskey all that stuff he gave it to me after oh the my event. gosh yeah He's That's not gonna awesome. be he's not gonna be able to come to encounter, but uh he wanted to be able to give us something and I was like, I will literally not touch this until Luke comes and he's like, Awesome. I'd uh, like to touch him on his upper thigh. Oh, there we go. Oh, kind of the first day we met. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awkward. Yeah. And then uh yeah. then I met was... I met Katie. Katie. 
Oh, crap. I don't have her card with me right now. Oh, she's an illustrator. She Or not an illustrator. Uh, she draws, and she does very beautiful images. She would show me them. And so I said, you know what you need to do? You need to draw something like Brandon does, uh, goofy shit that we say on Catching Foxes. And <laughs> then, that's awesome. And then, he draws and then, it. I know. Scott Han Solo, I think, was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And uh, and I said, you draw it and post it on Catching Foxes, and we'll spread your name around because she wants to become, uh, you know, a, an artist. Like a fully... Oh, good for her. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. And then I met two former teens. <laughs> Who are in their mid-20s and going through a quarter-life crisis. Huh? <laughs> no idea that's true. That was just a joke I just made. So. No, actually, one's going to become a missionary for a couple of years, maybe with Family Missions Company. The other one's thinking about ditching her marketing job to become a focus missionary. And I was like, clearly this there's is more tr- money in that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, focus. Uh, but no, I was like, clearly, I totally influenced your life in the one year I was at your parish. Eee, I left after one year. <laughs> yes, I do feel guilty about that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so <Dude>. guilty. <laughs> it's oh uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny. I uh, saw when I was in Rockford. The best part about being out in Rockford, I'm not going to lie, was to be able to hang out with all of my friends that are there, specifically uh, Paul. Um, uh, Paul and Nick Frank, who are listeners, but I got to hang out with Dave with uh, Dave Vogrens, the guy who I had my internship with. Uh, I have not seen brother. him. Yeah, I have not. We haven't. I mean, we've like talked a few times. Luke's, here and Luke's there. internship consisted of Porch Rocking Records, which was a Catholic independent label that was so bizarre. Those videos you guys made were so weird. We made like three, and they were terribly weird. Yeah, that was the point. They were really funny. They were um, not funny. Uh, they were so funny. You guys are just in your undershirts, and you look gross. Anywho, so you saw Dave. What was going on? <laughs> it was just good to hang out with an old friend I hadn't seen in a while. Oh, okay. So I'll stop making fun of you guys for five <laughs> Crap seconds. On the other work he did. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be weird. It was just weird stuff. Is that anywhere? Do you have that anywhere? Oh no, I, Dave might have it. He was going to try. He was going to uh, try to find it. I thought it was so funny. No one. We watch him. We're like, what are we watching? That's when you know you need to just. It wasn't for you. It was for the kids. What uh, kids? And, and... What kids? I ask. <laughs> what kids? The thousands of kids that bought our albums. Um. Uh, it's not true. Kids, they don't that's when exist. kids stop buying albums. <laughs> I remember going. To hey, you know what's going to be great? CDs. Uh, <laughs> you have you heard you of do? Napster? Because Napster is five years old. CDs. Kids love CDs. <laughs> Hang them from the rearview mirror when they're done listening. <laughs> they think it woods cops and evil spirits away. I won't ever forget seeing a stack of uh, a Steubenville conference on Bob's table. Everything was gone, but just a stack of CDs being like, <laughs> "Kid, please, I don't want to get a real job." And a recession's about to hit. It's going to get really hard. <laughs> the baby boomers really ruined this economy. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Don't make me do this. Don't make me get out. <laughs> hey, let me ask you. Let me ask you a serious question. Right along this, okay? This is a serious mm-hmm. question now. Okay, serious question. Uh, I was reading an article where it talks about millennials in the workforce, and they said, "Are millennials going to be the first generation that actually achieves work-life balance by intentionally being underemployed?" So whereas in the past it was like you get your job, you either A, stay at the same job until you die, our great-grandparents, mm-hmm. or B, you try to work the ladder, our grandparents, or C, you try to get a college education and you know work the ladder that way, our parents. Our parents. Or D, us, who you know a lot of us, if we do the parent thing, we actually have to go to graduate school in order to differentiate ourselves because them going to college is the equivalent of us going to grad school today because mm-hmm. fewer do it. Um, but that being said, if people are like, nah, dude, I love being in the sun and listening to music and I have enough money for my apartment and my lifestyle, I'm good. And you say, oh, well, what do you do for a living? And you're like, I get grocery carts at the grocery store. I get physical exercise. I get sun. I listen to my mm-hmm. ear pods and, you know, my, my phone the whole time. And it's enough money for me to do what I want to do. Is that person avoiding responsibility or are they actually living beneath their, the previous generation's expectations so that mm-hmm. they can have the good life, quote unquote, end quote, backslash? 
I, I think it just depends because I, I do think there is a real problem with people our age wanting to avoiding response or just, yeah, you know, like why aren't people having kids because kids will cramp my style. Yeah. You know, uh, like one of my, there's like, there's this comedian who like, who I love and him and his wife just decided to not have kids because they just, you know, just don't want to do it. I'm like, that's so like, it's just, it's, it's weird. Um, so I think if you're doing it to avoid, I think people will do things to avoid responsibility yeah. or having to really, or having, um, we, we don't want to suffer is yeah. what it comes down to. And that's what we're trying. So it's not, I don't even know if it's really responsibility as much as it is pain. Yeah. We seek our own comfort at all times. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a problem, but I think if there are, but I think there is a group of people, I think they are. I don't know if it's our group of um, of uh, millennials who saw the recession happen, but they didn't necessarily experience it. But they like, but they like witnesses to it. Yeah, and they're like, I don't want to go through that, so why would I? Yeah, and I can I can respect that. I can understand like if you truly just you know if you're not if you just say I why do this thing that I hate to just to like be miserable. I totally understand that. I think it's interesting. I think it's, it's a delicate balance between perpetual adolescence, perpetual adolescence and actually being like, why do I want to climb the rung at a corporate job that makes me want to hate myself? Why would I not rather just take a low, you know, and uh, take a lower paying job, but one that has less responsibility, doesn't keep me up in the middle of the night with an ulcer. And then people being like, you got to be driven. It's like, I am driven. I'm driven to travel. I'm driven to my faith. Yeah. I'm not I'm driven. driven to make $50,000 a year. I'm totally fine living on $30,000 a year because I actually could live on twenty. So that $10,000, pure gravy, right? And I do think there is like the tiny house movement or turning a, a van into, you know, like my old obsession, mm-hmm. turning a van <laughs> into like your, your home. Like last month's. Obsession. Yeah, last um, obsession. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but I, I think I would be because again, I don't know this. That's not my world because I think we're just old enough to have that like experience the economy a bit when things were yeah. good and that desire of like everything's gonna be great. Yeah. So just go, 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 and ye, everything will be fine. A lot of my st- old students. Now this is also where I lived, so yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But they're getting traditionally blue collar jobs. These are blue jaw cops that pay really well. They're becoming like they are like linesmen or uh, certain truck driving things where they're just like it's in um, like one kid was doing. Um, I mean, he's not a kid. He's a grown man. Um, grown ass beer man. Uh, deliveries, but for like craft breweries and stuff like yeah. really like things that like pays their bills and they're fine. Like and it is kind of weird that we hold like the corporate world as being the end all be all. That if you've done this, yeah. you have made it. Like, yeah. And I don't. Mike Rowe, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs talks about that a lot, and mm-hmm. he talks about how our lack of valuing work, work that's manual labor, a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, you know, whatever. He said by not valuing that, we actually have you know two million jobs waiting to be filled. And if we don't have immigrant labor, it's not going to get filled. But these are skilled jobs. But they don't require a college education, right? A plumber, an electrician, whatever. Um, and he said, these are the trades. But they are so devalued in our eyes because they're not sitting at a table in an air-conditioned building uh, or sitting at a desk at an air-conditioned building, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with spreadsheets all day. They're so undervalued. And he said, you know, right now you could, you could become a, you know, a corporate ger- drone for forty-two grand a year. Or you can make $60,000 being a plumber in Utah. Or you can make $100,000 being a, a carpenter in Iowa. You know, if you just understand, like, you got to move, you got to be mobile, and you got to go where the jobs are, but at the same time, value that. And I literally listened to that episode. I think it was on Art of Mainliness. Mm-hmm. And I was in a car with um, some uh, Hispanic guys. They all were our first-generation immigrants. But they're super rich, and they're in the woodlands. They have multiple homes and stuff like that. And the guy, the dad said to me, I'll never, I'll never forget this. The mom wanted their son to do more work around the house. 
So she said, for every window you clean, I'll give you a dollar. Kid wanted to buy, like, a video game or something. So he starts cleaning all the windows, and they had, like, 20 windows downstairs. So she gives him $20. And then he goes upstairs, and he's like, Dad, 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 do you have any work for me to do? And he's like, absolutely. He says, if you go through my office and sort all my papers and do this and do that. And then he said, and then I need you to type this stuff up for me. So the kid, like, an hour later gets it done. And he pays the kid, like, four times as much as what his mom paid him. And he's like, why are you giving me so much money? Mom only gave me like a dollar per window or whatever. And he said, because I want you to understand that the type of work I do is college required. Anyone can wash a window, but you got to go to college to do what I do, and you get paid a lot more. And in my head, I was like, wow, that literally just contradicts. You just taught a, a very illustrative life lesson. But that totally contradicts Mike Rowe's whole point of like, no, you can make bank, maybe not doing, quote, unquote, following your bliss and the work you love, but doing honest good work for that actually serves other people and you can make a lot more money than than what mm -hmm. you know and you don't have student loan debt half the trades now pay you to be an apprentice it used to be the other way around which is what it used to be like in the 90s that a lot of corporations they pay i mean there are still like yeah. you're really like your big ones will pay for you to go to grad school like that's that absolutely still happens but it's not the case as much because we were we just kind of like missed that yeah. where people were being paid to go back to grad school or to go back to school to learn this, to learn that. It's just it's yeah. more at the fortune, you know, 200 of companies or other ones that like were able to yeah. do that. Or something. And it's yeah, it's definitely um, I mean, I know some people out in Humboldt County that made like six figures well into that doing basically electrical line work. Yeah. For the equivalents of like a um, like Duke Energy kind yeah. of kind of stuff, you know, and it uh, um, it's interesting because I, I think with work, the most important part is like I think most people find passion in their work when they're doing their job. Well, doesn't necessarily matter like what it is but that you're doing it well. I think there is a thing to be said about it also being in line with like what your gifts are. You know, um, I could just say for the stuff that I've done. I have the hardest time with things that don't fall in line with my, you know, with like my gifts. But do you think, I don't know if we can turn back. I don't know. I don't know if we can, as a culture, turn away from how this God we've made out of college. Yeah. Do you think we can turn away? Or, uh, like, do you think we can stop that? Like, the only way we can is one, if we make it a lot harder to get in. But colleges now, now they're for-profit colleges. I mean, University of Phoenix online, all those different online schools. Well, and it's I don't I wouldn't say it's even that I just think that there's so much money even at the nonprofit schools like these schools raise hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Yeah. yeah. So as much there's as a they're machine, nonprofit, there's a machine like, attached to it that is completely. You know, Alistair McIntyre, the great philosopher that I love to quote, he talks about internal goods and external goods, and the internal goods are like acquiring the excellences of a practice, right? But the external goods are things that are common to any practice, like money and fame. And he talks about how so often on the road to acquiring the internal goods, we deviate in, in a vain pursuit of the external goods. And I think about that like so many kids are buying into college as the default because they think it will grant them the external good of more money, more security, more this, more that. And they're ignoring the internal goods of like – not just pursuing a work career that I love or that I find interesting or I'm following my bliss or whatever advice, but like, honestly, like something you can grow in, you can acquire a skill and talent and refine yourself as a human person. in. I think that is fascinating. And, you know, like I think about at the, at the parish, think about your, your, your jobs in relating to the church. How many people are expected to grow in their professional skills and in their area of, of expertise like i think about like liturgists how many of them go to not just the diocesan guideline classes that are mandatory for liturgists but how many go to retreats and how to put on liturgy mm -hmm. you know like how to steep yourself in the theology history and beauty of the liturgy versus getting how, better and better yeah, yeah yeah understanding it from an interior perspective versus i'm a musician i'm going to play these songs you know, these are songs that, you know, whatever, or just plugging away. And, you know, you can think about it in terms of faith formation. How many directors of religious education even know what the word better is when applied to their job? Mm -hmm. 
I did a I did a whole parish um, parish staff training on the word better, and I said I don't I don't think churches are ever 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 they're they're almost never held accountable for competency, but what about becoming better? Not just being competent and getting your job done, yeah. but growing in what it means, like and trying new things and taking risks. That 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 is a thing that I've actually I I had a conversation this past week about this that this is the first job I've and I and I understand why this is well let me just say it first this is the first job I've had where I feel like I'm truly not being challenged to grow yeah you know I'm just not being groomed and so this is it it's whatever I want to put into it like this is really it and that can be dangerous for just in terms of how I work I do much better with like accountability and incentives and like just this, but it's tough because when that's like the, that's like the culture of the church as a whole. Yeah. You know? And so, and when, and when like I look to my boss, he doesn't have the time. Like he legitimately does not have, and and, and so I don't blame him at all. I don't blame anyone. It's just, it's um, the way things are because the way the things have just been for the, for a long time. So, so one of the things that I did at my church back in the day was I said, our church has a terrible website. I'm going to get involved in the website group. I got involved in the website group. I was a middle school youth minister. The recession had hit, and I said to myself, if people keep cutting back on their donations and our church can't support itself, middle school youth ministry is the first thing to go because they'll just roll it into high school or roll it into elementary. It's, the, it's, a very, it's, it's actually very new. It's unstable. Mm-hmm. And so I said, how can I make myself as an employee um, unfireable, right? How can I make my, myself an indispensable employee? And so I began looking at the things that my ministry touched upon but didn't, wasn't totally concerned with, like the website. A lot of people complained about the website. So I kept a journal, and I went through all the major pages of our parish website. And then I started listening to podcasts on building websites, um, the web ahead. And, uh, oh, there's another one I'm forgetting. Um, I would listen to these podcasts, and then I discovered something called content management or content strategy. And I was like, that's something I can do. I don't have to be a coder or a a graphic design artist. Content management and content strategy. I can do this. So I researched it, bought some books on it, went through, put an Excel spreadsheet where I put every single page of the whole – every 221 pages – on uh, the Excel spreadsheet, what that page did, what what it needed, what it, you know, all this stuff. I had detailed information, and then I just said, you know, we had a committee, and the committee, I was put on the committee because I was complaining <laughs> about it, and I want to take a power drill in my head. So before the second meeting, because I was suspicious that we were just going to have meetings about more meetings, mm-hmm. so I literally went on eCatholic, got a whole new template for free, and took all the information from every single page and dumped it onto the new website with the new layout, everything updated, and it's still their website today. And that was like uh, four, five, five, six years ago. And it was from that moment on, people are asking me questions. I re- uh, overviewed everyone's website content, all this stuff. I made myself indispensable because I knew, like, okay, if I get cut from this job, what can I point to and say, yeah, but I have skills in doing X, Y, and Z as well. So I forced mm-hmm. growth when I didn't think the church environment was going to provide it. No one was mentoring yeah. me as a middle school youth minister. Yeah, no, that's how I uh, I really got into admin work in Catholic schools because I was getting kind of bored, and there were just opportunities. And so I went to the president of the school and I said, "Hey, um, can I just pitch to you this whole, like idea I have for how the school can be more involved, in, like Facebook and all of the the social media stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah." So I just did this like ten page a proposal, and they didn't use any of it. <laughs> but he was like, "I want you to do this." I was like, "Okay." You know, I, I think I kind of like showed him that like You're I was willing to yeah. just yeah, just to like try something new and like really think outside the box and see where this call the school could grow and yeah, you know. But I, what is it about like? It's it's funny, like what we have a really um what is it about like getting ahead and being completely safe that like we that we love? Like so sorry. Here's I I, I kinda wanna get back to but within like but like in light of like what we've just to, to talked about this idea of uh trade work. So 
colleges get big because of the GI Bill. A lot of people who fought in the Second World War were able to go to college for for like free, and that's kind of where it all starts. And we're experiencing the like bubble right now about to burst, I think. But right. how? And so it's in, so that's why it's now it's like this is how you can. I got ahead because of this. Here's how you can as well. I I wonder if we need to start asking like like to reject this idea of getting ahead. Yeah. You know, and it's all out like we kind of saying it's not the, like hard because really because I, I, I can re, um, remember Mike Rowe talking about how he was really angry at a sign he saw at a school that said, don't work harder, work, work smarter. Yeah. And I think there is this like new within the past 10 years or so. I think it's really because of a lot of startups where hard work has become like it's like a valuable thing now. It's something that we hold as being like almost to like a fault. But I wonder if like the next step, though, is to reject this idea of like that. Yes, it's very important to work hard because that's ultimately I really do think like it leads to happiness and be feeling like you've done a good job and you feel fulfilled when you you work hard. So it's, but it's trying to let go of this idea of like getting ahead and what that actually looks like and what stability actually looks like and what happiness yeah. actually looks like, you know? And I, I think that I'm sorry. No, you go. Go ahead. You think, no, because no, I, I do the same thing. Like, you know, me and Aaron are in a blessed position right now with our jobs. We're like, we're making a decent amount of money, like more than, um, you know, it's, we're in a good spot right now. And it's like, I find myself going in five years. If we don't buy right now, we can get a house with this much money. Holy crap. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, is that, that's not a good thing. No, nope. I think you know? it is very like me and my wife rented a house, then bought a house, sold the house, then bought a new house. And it's the house we're in now. I feel like even though we had kids, we should have stayed in an apartment a lot longer. And we should stay in the apartment a lot longer because though having a yard is great when they're that young, they don't use the yard. We did live in an apartment when my daughter was was a newborn. But um, I really do feel like if we could get one or two other people who we love and are close to and whatever to live in a same apartment building, a Benedict option, if you will. Just kidding. But uh, if we had them in there, like I feel like our... 20s our late 20s and early 30s would have been a better experience for us because immediately we turned to a rental house which isn't that much more expensive to have a whole house with a front and backyard and a driveway in your own garage it's not that much more expensive than monthly rent like mm-hmm. i think our first rental house was 1450 and our last apartment was like 1100 mm-hmm. and you're like okay that, that $300 increase got us a better street a better neighborhood a better location, you know, all this stuff, and a whole freaking house that a whole another family moved into our house for six weeks, the Frank family. Not Nick Frank you talked about earlier, but Chris Frank and his family. And uh, I just, you start looking at all this stuff, and you say, well, now i got to get a house. So we save money for a down payment, save money for this. There was no need for that. There was no need for that. And now I'm spending $300 more, $400 more, for this huge house for me and my two kids and my wife. Like, it was so unnecessary. But it just kept – the allure was there. It just I mean, we were in a house. The first house that we ever bought was 1,400 square feet, just under 1,400. The house I'm in now is like 2,200. And I feel less happy and more burdened in this big house than I would have in that little house. Mm-hmm. I would have feel constrained, but we had – it was done in such a good way. It was a great house with a big old backyard, um, but the they, the people that made it and remodeled it, they did a great job with it. But now I live in a brand new spanking house. And, that's weird. A brand spanking new house. I live in it's a new spanking, spanking house. Um, Every time that I walk in, it's like, ooh, that's weird. Yeah, ooh, Gomer, hello. Um, I'll be violating. Yeah, but uh, I, feel, I feel like burdened by my house. Every time the air conditioner kicks on, and I know I'm air conditioning two floors and people are only on one floor. I like I like cringe. I get anxiety over things like that. Yeah, I want to, and it's. I think there's something too about like I don't know if we're supposed to be so like to live this isolated. Yeah, in a house, you know, where like as much as I love my basement when I was in high school and it was awesome, and yeah. 
most kick-ass basement ever. I like <laughs> the basement you know, that time forgot. Seriously, I like I do like kind of like I missed out on having a room close to Emily or yeah. close to a Christina, so I just never saw them. Because when you're in high school, you're you're like in your room a lot, yeah. you know, and that's where you kind of exist is like your world. And when your world isn't forced to be next to others, it's when you're, you know, an adolescent kid just hanging out with all of your buddies and and um, or whatever, like you're not hanging out with your family. You know, so yeah. are you going to like when your kids are older, do you think you'll have them like, will they have their own room or are we going to force them to? Um, well, right now they're to share a room. Well, we're lucky that it was two girls and two boys in the birth order, mm-hmm. so they're sharing a room right now. I mean, they don't have their own room, and we're going to keep it this way. Like, but like, do you think you'll do it when they are in high school? Um, I mean, I don't see me getting a four four bedrooms for the kids. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, like I, I think I would do the same thing if I was in um, your shoes. It's just like. Uh, I, I, I mean, I liked having an apartment to myself. They're like, yeah, I love being able to come home and just take off all my clothes in my kitchen and just like walk it around in my boxers. Like that actually happened on like dozens of times. Um, <laughs> I do. Like, I love having Aaron here. It's just so nice. Like just having to force, you know, and I, and like, I love when we had our uh, house in college, like you and me, we split a room and I had like no problem doing that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had a little problem controlling all the clothes vomiting out of your hamper all Shut onto up, my sorry. side of the room, Luke. I didn't even have a hamper. What when you it? went to Austria, I just so wore rigid. your clothes. I know. I know. Oh, so annoying. <laughs> I'm a terrible friend. I, I had a friend I was talking to when we were talking about poverty and stuff, and she was going through all the statistics from her UT class where they actually take a real-life you know, single mom and walk you. Okay, she has a minimum wage job and blah, blah, blah. And I said, do you know the one dynamic that changes and ruins your, your professor's perfectly well laid out class? She said, what? And I said, a roommate. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, so she moves into an apartment, $600 for a two-bedroom apartment. What if she keeps the kid with her and brings in a roommate? That's like her sister. You know, like two sisters living together in an apartment, split the rent. Maybe it's an $800 apartment. Well, $400 is a lot cheaper than $600 by one person. So, mm-hmm. and I said, and then you have a person at home and a person who's working, and maybe they work different shifts, or you're able to balance stuff out. So, if one person has to get their car fixed, they don't take off work and miss a day's pay if they're a waitress or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like some people don't have the, that option, but I right, think right, right. it's. For a lot of us, it's there if you were to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's a movie called Single White Female because that's the ad she put in the per- in the classifieds because she want- she didn't have any friends and she wanted a roommate. Uh, you know, and that happens all the time. People put, like, listings for mm-hmm. roommates and apartments on Craigslist. You don't have to know them, but it's just a huge bonus. And I was talking to my friend who is a single woman living alone in an apartment and I said, and she struggles with finances. And I said, how much, uh, how much better would your finances be? Uh oh. Sorry, I'm hearing walking. Hold on a second. Yeah. Luke is about to get his ass handed to him. Sorry about that. Aaron had to use, uh, had to use the facilities. Are you on a laptop you... right now? Mm-hmm. Take the laptop into the bathroom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, my, so my friend who lived in the apartment, I said, you're going through financial difficulties right now. What if you had a roommate? She's like, well, I don't want a roommate. I said, I know. I know. So your lifestyle is so much higher. Every, it costs so much more money because you have this whole big place just to yourself. Three other people could use that same space. I mean, obviously, you need new bedrooms. But that kitchen, that family room, you could totally use that. As long as you had other people and you divvy up that rent two ways, three ways, you're saving buku bucks. And she's like, Ugh. but I want to live alone. And I was like, I understand. See, I don't think a lot of people do. I think they're just I... scared at what it would. I mean, you think about it. Mm-hmm. If I have my kitchen to myself, I can do whatever the hell I want with it. It's like, but if I have someone else, I got to deal and do dishes and argue yeah. over it. I know, and, and and that's like again, we don't want to suffer, and that's a valid. I mean, it can be, but I think deep down, yeah. I think there's a there's a desire there that uh, I don't know if, if if there's one thing I could give to the priest that I love, it would be uh, just a really good roommate. 
that would fit the, their personality to where it was just enough conflict that they could grow, but enough so they could also just be themselves, not to worry. Yeah, amen. Because it's so important. And with that, I bid you good night. We did it. We did we it. Did it. Take care, buddy. I love you. I love you. Luke at the Luke V, me at Leavandalist. At C Fox's podcast, Facebook.com slash whatever. And EncounterHouston.com, use Catching Foxes, all one word, all lowercase, for your discount to sign up for Encounter Houston this next weekend, a week from tomorrow. Week from, I don't know what day it is, a week from Saturday. Woo! All right, adios, buddy. Bye. Bye.